You're about to hear a rebroadcast of the Colin McEnroe Show. It was originally recorded on July 26, 2018, before Old Town Road. Enjoy. We'd get up before sunup to get the work done up. We'd work in the fields till the sun had gone down. We've stood and we've cried as we've helplessly watched a hailstorm beating our crops to the ground. We've gone to bed hungry many nights in the past, in the good old days when times were bad. All right, that's Dolly Parton for you uh, public radio listeners. D-O-L-L. No, you know, I think you know who Dolly Parton is, but I think there's a lot of people who listen to public radio who don't listen to country music, and they think they don't like country music either. Uh, and there's a lot of kind of East Coast snobbery uh, about country music and probably just general public radio uh, snobbery. Well, Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart's a very nice man, but uh, he used to say, I don't like country music, but I don't mean to denigrate those who do. And for the people who like country music, denigrate means put down. See, that's kind of a mean joke uh, about country music listeners. I don't think it's entirely fair. And then, I mean, there are a lot of jokes about country music. And one about how what happens when you play a country music record backwards. You know, you get your wife back, you get your job back, your dog comes to life, your pickup truck uncrashes, that whole thing. So um, I like country music. I wouldn't call myself a country music fan, but it might surprise people who listen to this show and listen to my feet. Ivy League way of expressing myself most of the time that, for example, staffers on this show know that on a Friday afternoon, if it's been a particularly exhausting week, I might either play through the speakers of my computer or sing if people are especially unlucky that uh, on that Friday. Porter Wagner singing, I've enjoyed as much of this as I can stand. Now, that sounds, if you think you don't like country music, that's what you, that, that song would be a song that you'd be thinking of. It's very twangy and full of musical cliches and stuff like that. But so for me, I mean, I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, but I mean, the last time I really cried, cried hard in a concert, it was a Lyle Lovett concert. Um, you know, Lyle takes me to a very special place. Uh, and, you know, I mean, not too many people. Well, only a country song could begin. Darling, put down that flask water and pour me some ice water. And you kind of want to know what comes next after that. And you're also kind of impressed that somebody could think of rhyming flask water and ice water. That's got to only happen in a country song. So why is it that you think you don't like country music? Um, And why is it that you think that country music exists in some other place? Uh, that And that place is full of white people who are not particularly cognizant of things that you like and some of the things that you like maybe are a little bit more African-American derived music, you know, whether it's hip hop, soul, jazz, blues. Uh, you think it's full of Republicans. <laughs> you th- you've got all kinds of. Well, anyway, this is the show that we're going to do. Carmen Baskoff, a producer on Where We Live, who's a girl from Nashville. Uh, suggested we do it. Uh, we turned it over to the ex- excellent Zandra Ellen. Uh, she found us uh, our first guest here. In the last part of the show, you're going to meet an African-American emergent country star. So there. Uh, but right now, we're going to talk to Nadine Hubbs, a professor of women's studies and music at the University of Michigan and the author most recently of Rednecks, Queers, 
and country music. So, um, Nadine, you've been, or Dean, as I guess I'm going to call you the rest of the time, um, you've been listening to me babble and sing, um, So, and you haven't hung up or anything, so that's good. But, no, I'm here. <laughs> good. But, so react to this. I mean, you know better than I do the divide I'm talking about. There's a them or us relationship towards this extraordinarily popular form of American music. No, you're absolutely right. And so I have no problem at all with your intro, <laughs> Colin. Um, and in fact, uh, the first chapter in my book is called Anything But Country. And that is a reference to the short but powerful phrase that has come into fashion as the prime answer to the question, what kind of music do you listen to? Mm-hmm. For uh, Americans of a certain age, um, at this point, probably folks under 50 um, uh, across all kinds of social boundaries uh, share that phrase in common. And when I have gone out to campuses to talk about my research, um, undergraduate students have told me, even in the Deep South, oh yeah, that's what we all say. That's the, that's the main answer that you give to that question. What do you, what do you listen to? I listen to anything but country. And, and, and so uh, one of the things that you talk about is confirmation bias, right? That there's, once you've sort of decided that, if I play you a beautiful Brad Paisley ballad like It's Raining You, which is, what, what's going to happen? The person's going to hear certain musical tropes first, right? And just shut down? Uh, that often happens, yeah. And so it really mystified me. I mean, a lot of your listeners may be wondering at this point, well, wait, what are you talking about? There's so much crossover going on in country music in recent years. And that's true. It's not a new thing. It may seem new, but uh, Patsy Cline was was a crossover star mm-hmm. in 1961. Um, Shania Twain, of course, was a huge crossover uh, artist in the 90s. Every decade has seen crossover uh, since... Uh, probably the late 50s at least. But um, there has been a lot of crossover, and so I've wondered myself, how can it be that we have this phenomenon whereby research shows us that um, that uh, people associate country music with things they don't like, and, um, and they divide it from their own tastes in order to sort of position themselves as um, middle-class individuals and position themselves in relation um, at the same time to all kinds of issues. I mean, you've mentioned race already. You were talking about white people. Race, um, class, region. Uh, we could even throw in foreign policy and uh, and and imputed jingoism. So let's and this so sometimes country music causes its own problems. Let's listen to uh, a song by uh, Toby Keith, uh, which you're quite familiar with and, and have a bunch to say about. I know. So uh, this is courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. And he served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard till the day that he died. He wanted my mother. My brother, my sister, and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye, man, we lit up your world like the Fourth of July. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name. 
And it goes on like this. And, you know, um, Dean, whether it's that song or Ernest Tubb back in the old days singing It's America, Love It or Leave It, or Lee Greenwood singing I'm Proud to Be an American, uh, where at least I know I'm free, there's a a militarism sometimes, a jingoism uh, almost, I think, and maybe a a song like that one, you may choose to differ, or sometimes just a level of unblinking, unvarnished, uh, unquestioning patriotism that certain parts of America will be uncomfortable with. I I don't know, maybe you want to get specific about the Toby Keith song first. Um, I got specific about the Kobe Teeth song, uh, Toby Keith song sorry, in my book and talked about the history of that song. Before I get into that, though, I just want to say, no, I don't disagree with you that the songs you listed have a jingoistic effect. And um, I, I would just point out that there's also a long list of songs um, that have a really opposite political effect. If you think of the... Um, uh, multi-crossover albums that Johnny Cash released from uh, prisons Mm -hmm. in 1968 and 1969, Folsom and San Quentin, those songs had a really different politics and are also even bigger hits in country music, in the history of country music. And the 1992 song, We Shall Be Free, by Garth Brooks, was a really early song to uh, make a bid that we should be free to love whoever we choose, uh, a pro-LGBTQ bid that wasn't happening in other styles of popular music at the time. So having said all that, yeah, country does have songs like this one, um, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, which Toby Keith released. Um And I don't know if he lived to regret it, but he had written the song for the troops. He was doing lots of USO tours. And this was the early 2000s when war was declared on Iraq. And um, the troops said, you got to record this song. We love this song on the USO tours. He did record it. And um, it became probably still the most notorious um, instance that people cite for um, conservative and jingoistic politics in country music. Right. And, and I mean, I think the mistake that, that people make is that category mistake, too. I mean, you know, when they say country music is this or country music is that, I mean, it's like saying jazz is this or jazz is that. I mean, uh, or, or, or hip hop or pick any genre. Right. So um, just a, by way of contrast, uh, we're going to play the first song on our playlist for today by, by Luke Bryan. This song is called much more recent song uh, called Most People Are Good. Kids ought to stay kids as long as they can Turn off the screen, go climb a tree, get dirt on their hands I believe we gotta forgive and make amends 
So I wanted to get that line in there, Dean. I believe you love who you love. Ain't nothing you should be ashamed of. I don't think there's a lot of ambiguity about what he means there. No, and that is a line that's becoming a kind of a trope in country music by now. I noted it in my book, which which came out in 2014, but I had already quoted that line. And and the Luke Bryan song you, you just played has been out for less than a year. It's been a, an enormous hit, and it was uh, performed live at the CMA Awards last November. So that song is new, but the line, when I quoted it in my book, I was quoting it from the Rascal Flats song, which came out about 10 years ago. And then, as I said just before this, way back in 92, a very similar line was used by Garth Brooks in We Shall Be Free. So there are ways in which these songs uh, and some of these artists are starting to cross that boundary, trying to um, shed a different kind of light, maybe even on stuff like geopolitics and uh, and, and stuff like that. And, but I think another aspect of all this, and it's the thing that America, I think, has been trying to come to grim- grips with in all kinds of genres and all kinds of places, really since 2015, 2016, you know, whether it's a, a book like uh, Hillbilly Elegy uh, or, or maybe one of the songs we're about to talk about, is is that country music has also been the music of people who feel very much left out, um, uh, left out of certain kinds of economic opportunities. I mean, really, since its inception, it's been the music of the poor, uh, of the farmer, uh, of the um, of the jailed person, uh, quite frequently. Uh, so that's another part of that, and, and even that. Dolly Parton song that we opened with is kind of about that, right? That a lot of these artists are trying to talk about ways in which uh, they'd like people to look at another part of America. Maybe you can say more about that. Country is associated with that. It's associated with that historically. And at times, yeah, country songs are about people who feel left out and representing for people who have been left out. I think in a lot of instances, uh, folk music is more focused on those kinds of themes than country is. Country has a lot of other themes. And for example, the song you just played really isn't about that theme. No. And I want to make sure, too, we're talking about the history of country, and I want to talk about current country, too, so I'm glad you played that example. Country music is somewhat uh, special, I, I guess, in that... There's an industry, there's a trade group, the CMA, the Country Music Association, that is focused on researching how the music does, where it does well, where it's not doing as well, maybe what new demographic groups might be on the radar. So, for example, my current project is called Country Mexicans. Um, Latinos and Latinas are one of the fastest growing fan groups in American country music. And uh, that's what I'm studying right now. Um, But about 25 years ago, 
the CMA and the country music industry focused really hard on um, branching out and reaching a wide audience. And that effort was called Young Country or New Country. And um, they were very successful. And by now, country music has a lot of um, suburban mm-hmm. and middle-class listeners. And um, I think a lyric like Luke Bryan's uh, appeals to listeners like that, and it's really not at all like the Dolly Parton lyric we heard in the opening. No. It's not to say that those songs don't still exist, because they still do, and they still are embraced by the audience. I think also the network series Nashville really helped um, open up a, a different kind of suburban audience um, uh, to all the different kinds of country music that there are. I just We're going to go to a break, but I just want to, as we go to the break, I don't want to lose that point that country music, I think, does, parts of country music, still do try to kind of tell that story. I mean, there's a Jason Aldean sto- uh, song that you know uh, that says they ain't uh, talking about people just driving by or, or uh, mm-hmm. they ain't seen the blood, sweat, and tears it took to live their dreams when everything's on the line ain't just another field just another farm no it's the ground we grew up on they think it's the middle of nowhere place where we take it slow but they don't know all they see is tractors barbed wire and tall green grass they don't see the years spent working busting their ass I think that's very much uh, you know uh, uh, as you say maybe an outgrowth of the folk uh, message the the Woody Guthrie message Uh, as we go into a break here I'm going to play a song by a really emergent country star. Uh, Her name is Margot Price. Uh, This is going to sound like something Woody Guthrie wrote. It's called Heart of America. My sweet mother gets up so early in the morning. She turns on the stove and she makes a pot of coffee. My daddy filled his tractor up with diesel planted coal. That's how it was on the day that I Well, the days they went by And the bins filled up with grain My mother's brother died On a motorcycle in the rain The town had got too big for his britches And the government it came And now it will never be the Hey, you're listening to a rebroadcast of the Colin McEnroe Show. It was originally recorded on July 26, 2018, before Old Town Road came out. Enjoy. Somewhere in the distance, heard you calling. Oh, it hurts so bad to let go of your hand. Wherever is your heart, I call. That's Brandy Carlisle. We're talking about country music with Nadine Hubbs, professor of women's studies and music at the University of Michigan, the author most recently of Rednecks, Queers, and Country Music. So, um, Dean, you and I were talking about this before the show started. Uh, um, we weren't talking about Brandy Carlisle, but, you know, she probably doesn't really exactly identify as country. She might be Americana or Americana roots or alternative country. She's probably in 16 other genres, but she might not identify as country. There are even artists like Jason Isbell who really reject the country label. Like, they almost think it might be bad for them. Um, Like, they don't want to get lumped in with Trace Atkins or something. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Well, I would say fair enough. If you don't want to be identified as a, a country artist, um, you know, that's okay. And, and I think that um, it represents something very real, which is um, that although alternative country, which is also known as Americana and sometimes as roots music, um, shares the word country, <laughs> along with uh, mainstream or top 40 country, they are worlds apart. Um, and although Nashville is a site of uh, a lot of performances and recording in both of those styles, um, a lot of the people who identify, whether as audience or artist, in um, Americana, I prefer to call it, because alternative country is misleading, um, a lot of those folks really don't want anything to do with uh, a, a country music identity. And it has to do with the things that we were talking about earlier, the perceptions of politics and social politics, um, and um, ultimately class and region. Yeah, I think, I think those are really important. In fact, um, let's give one more example of this. Okay, this is going to be uh, Eight Wolfie. We're going to hear um, the Milk Carton Kids uh, once again. This would be a group that probably doesn't like the label country. This is uh, recorded in Nashville. <laughs> and when you hear how it sounds, uh, you're going to wonder why it wouldn't be country music. Fashion this smile from a dream. The stars overhead bear their meaning. I'd play a lot more of that if we had time. Milk Garden Kids are really great. But, yep. uh, Dean, you know, they don't want to be called country. And I think you hit on a couple of things. Politics. This, their new album really does exp uh, explore some of their anxieties about the age of Trump. And I think class and education is some part of this, too. You mentioned those. Yeah, that's the association. Okay, so, I, and I would also say that um, I wouldn't think that that song, I wouldn't think of that song when I hear of it hear it as, as a, a mainstream country song or what I call, uh, quoting another critic, uh, Walmart country versus so-called alternative country. That sounds like American Americana um, music to me because it is retro. As, uh, I quoted a critic in my book who says uh, Americana music, alt country, is about the Depression era. It's about moonshine stills. And, you know, mainstream top 40 country really isn't. Uh, it's not so backward focused. It's really focused on daily life and issues in folks' uh, lives. It's it's very much um, about right now, even though it may wax nostalgic. Um, and musically, right, it's not going to sound like that usually. Now, there, there are exceptions. A few years ago, the band Perry, the brother and sister act, um, m had a, a really great couple of years and they were real crossovers between Americana and, and they're not the only ones but um, in general uh, you know country sounds different than that 
Right. And and some of the ways the country sounds different are ways that are going to be troubling in an, yet another way. You know, we've talked about politics. Uh, we, we've talked about maybe issues of race. Uh, there's an emergent subgenre called bro country uh, in which uh, the objectif- objectification of women uh, seems like the Me Too movement just kind of isn't happening. Uh, here's uh, Trace Atkins introducing this term, by the way, uh, in a song called Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. Turn it up, son. All right, boys. This is her favorite song. You know that, right? So we play it good and loud. She might get up and dance again. Oh, she put her beard down. Here she comes. Here she comes. Left, 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 right, left. Hustler shooting eight ball, throwing the wall, feeling down there ten feet tall. Here she comes, Lord help us all. OTW's girlfriend done slapped him out his chair. Poor old boy, it ain't his fault. It's so hard not to stare at that honky tonk, but don't get done. And if you watch the video, what's going left, right, left are the cheeks of a woman's gluteus maximus. So, you know, I mean, once again, it feels as though in some of the same ways that maybe uh, hip hop goes to a place that some that women often might be uncomfortable with. The bro country seems like just really kind of getting up in your face, so to speak, with that kind of attitude. Yeah. And bro country is really very much on the wane. It it had its prime and, and it's been cool for cooling uh rapidly for at least a year maybe more the opening artist luke bryan was to some extent part of that um a a few years ago uh here trace adkins is um foreshadowing perhaps um way back in 2006 because bro country bro country had a, a peak that lasted you know four or five years and as I say, it's it's waned by now. But it was very much influenced by hip hop. And badonkadonk, um, as a word for booty, um, shows uh, evidence of, of a certain uh, traffic between country and R&B and hip hop that is a kind of nonstop um, traffic of, uh, I think, country, especially borrowing... Um, Musically and um, verbally, rhetorically, uh, maybe maybe more these days than uh, it goes the other way around. You know, I, we're, uh, we're kind of running out of time because we're going to have to talk to uh, Priscilla Renee in just a second. But, um, Dean, I don't know. Where does all this leave you? I mean, in many of the ways that we're divided and uncommunicative— as a nation, as a society, uh, a lot of these rifts seem to seem to show up here too. There's thoughtful, interesting music uh, being done uh, in, in the country genre, and uh, people on another side of a divide refusing to believe that, which seems like an odd parallel to a lot of other things that went on in our country over the last few years or the last many years. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm glad you bring that up because um, really that's the reason that I've been doing this work for so many years and why I wrote the book, Redneck Squares and Country Music, is to try to bridge um, the divide and multiple divides uh, that are illustrated really powerfully um, with country music and all the people who disclaim it with the phrase anything but country and in any number of other ways. And by the way, I would mention that... Um, even 
in northeastern the northeastern United States, uh, country listenership is creeping upward from the stats that I've seen. But the Northeast has been the quadrant with the lowest. Uh, and my region of the United States, the Midwest, actually has the highest, higher than the South. Um, so this takes me back to the point that I never quite managed to finish at the beginning, which is at the same time that we see more and more division um, with this anything but country sort of proclamation, at the same time, we do have a lot of crossover going on. Country hits getting onto the pop charts, um, in some cases R&B charts. And um, we have to note that, that these are contradictory impulses that are going on, that are both going strong at the same time. Um, and so I have wondered about that. And how do people sort of split their brains to listen to this music? The popover hits, the, the crossover hits uh, um, from country, and at the same time really uh, hold country at arm's length. And what I can figure out from talking with my students at University of Michigan and, and other folks is when a country song, like say a few years ago, Little Big Town's Girl Crush, Mm -hmm. makes it onto the pop charts and uh, people, including some of my country-hating students, um, listen to that song and like that song. Mm. They don't think of it as a country song. Exactly. We're going to have to leave it right there. Nadine Hubbs, thank you so much for joining us. Author most recently of Redneck Squares and Country Music. We'll be back. Hey, you're listening to a rebroadcast of the Colin McEnroe Show. It was originally recorded on July 26, 2018, before Old Town Road came out. Enjoy. Today's show was produced by Zandra Ellen, with help from Jonathan McPants and me, Kyone Wolf. Part of Phil Curry was played by Toby Keith. And now, back to Colin. You may or may not have heard of Priscilla Renee, and she's an American singer-songwriter. I'm going to play a track a little bit from her new album, Colored, which came out just last month. And then I'm going to tell you uh, some things about her. So let's just start with this, though. We're going to start with the song Gentle Hands. Dear God, I want a man. I want him strong. Ain't scared to dance. Knows how to work. Down the earth When he gets home He puts me first I don't mean to interfere If it ain't in your plan But I want a big strong man so, Priscilla Renee, first of all, welcome to our conversation. Thank you very much for having me. So, as I'm listening to this song, one can place that pretty easily and squarely in the tradition of country music. I can imagine a roadhouse full of probably largely white country music fans mm-hmm. uh, line dancing to that particular song and being really, really happy with it. It's, it's just right there. There are other songs uh, on this CD. I'm especially knocked out by the, the sort of channeling Aretha Franklin-style ballad, Heavenly, that place you very squarely in a different tradition. So I guess the first thing we have to tell the listeners, if they don't know you, is that you are an African-American country performer. And, and you do claim that, at least country, as part of your label, of, of your way of understanding what you do. Tell us why. Well, I grew up on a farm in Wabasso, Florida, or Vero Beach is what's on the map. 
my dad was in the Navy for 22 years, so I've also lived various places. Like, I actually lived in Groton, Connecticut. Ah. Um, yeah. That's actually where my mom first found that I could sing. There was this commercial that used to play, Spirit of Hampton Road, and uh, I would sing that all the time. But anyway, I grew up and I had a pet hog. I had chickens, geese, fish, peacocks, um, and we would go there every summer, every Christmas. And my uncle is a black cowboy. He makes whips by hand. He cracks shows. I know how to crack whips. He shot, taught me how. Taught me how to shoot, hunt. I'm just a country girl, man. Like, I didn't have a pair of sneakers until I was in, like, sixth grade. It was, like, flip-flops or bare feet. So that's just where I come from. And we should say that you have a one great acclaim in the music world by writing songs for uh, a lot of other artists, and many of whom do not perform country music, people like Kesha and Rihanna, but also people who do, like Carrie Underwood and Miranda Lambert. Colored is uh, your second album, and I'm assuming, well, let's start with the title. The title would seem to me to have maybe multiple meanings, but one of them might be some uh, calling attention to what it's like to be a black performer in an overwhelmingly white genre well that seems to be like the draw i mean it's the easiest thing to point out but honestly there's way more deeper meanings on the album title than just the racial aspect i'm, I'm more of like an onion kind of person i never do anything that doesn't have layers <laughs> and um this time in the universe and in the stars and all that is a very colorful time like the sun is really shining on me which the sun has the full spectrum of all colors. So that's an element of what the album title means. But I think obviously me being black and in the country space, which for consumers is not very friendly to people who are of color, especially in those spaces. I mean, if we're being honest, I'm from the South. I know what it's like. <clears throat> I went to school with these kids. When they go to these festivals and they're mud and they're doing all the stuff, they're drinking beers, whatever. They don't want black people around. It's just how it is. It's not that, you know, we go to school with them, they're nice to us in school, but then when it's their own time, they say things. And we've been seeing things on the internet about like, yeah, let's go catch us, a, you know, N-word. Mm -hmm. Like, th that kind of stuff is happening now. And I think it's always been happening, but I think Trump has gaslit everybody into thinking that this kind of behavior is okay. And I think that um, the people who vote for Trump are the people who exist and live in the spaces where country music is popular. And if you can't see that at this point, I think that you are just willingly ignoring it. I don't let that kind of thing save me because I know that music can be kind of like a thread to bring people together. And when I sing, when people hear my music, they might be judging me when they see me walk in the building. But when I start singing, all that goes away. So... I have a privilege that is different than a lot of people. I have music privilege. Priscilla, I have to be honest and say, I had not heard of you prior to the scheduling of this interview. And then when I listened to Colored, I was just completely blown away. And I was blown away in particular by the way that you can kind of bestride multiple genres. I mean, really, Heavenly does sound like somebody channeling Aretha. And that's like the highest compliment wow, you can give somebody. Wow, a compliment. So one thing this record is about is about identity and about your identity and your story. I'm going to play a little bit from a song called Family Tree. My mama never taught me about the world because the world turned her inside out.
So in that song, Priscilla, Renee, it sounds like, I mean, you're trying to tell your story. And I assume that telling your story means embracing a style of music that you grew up with, this style. Right. I guess maybe this is my way of asking this question. You could have said, you know what, I'm a Roots Americana performer. There's a lot of people doing that right now. I mean, Rhiannon Giddens isn't running around saying she's a country musician. I don't think, anyway. And even Jason Isbell has backed off of country as a label. You're running towards the the idea of being a country musician. Is that simply because you can't extricate that from who you really are? Well, yeah, I'm not really thinking about, like, genre-wise. I'm thinking about how I grew up and what I like. And country music is about storytelling, and that's what I do. I tell stories, so... I don't know, I'm not, it, the label is less important, I think, than the space that it should exist in, you know? Right. So I think also one of the... I mean, feel free to disagree with me, but I, I think one of the, the ideas that has grown up around the phenomenon that you just described, the fact that when you look at the crowds uh, at a country uh, arena show, uh, you can see who they are and who's welcome and who isn't. So I think what people have placed alongside that is the notion that the music is similarly segregated. I think if, if we go back to the 1930s, Jimmy Rogers and Lead Belly don't really sound all that different. I'm gonna play a Mean Mama Blues. So these are white country musicians doing this tune. Hoping for the best But blues will make me ramble And the rails are leading west I'm feeling awful lonesome Pleasure I can't find so Priscilla Renee, as you listen to that, I mean, those are white country musicians singing uh, in a black musical idiom. I could play you something from 1930 where Lead Belly is singing uh, as a black musician, singing very much in the idiom of uh, of almost the white folk music he would have absorbed from Scottish, uh, Irish people in the South, uh, people who came over with, with that heritage. It seems like if we go back that far, you can hear black in the white and white in the black. But somehow or other, there's this notion that they don't they don't merge and touch very well here in 2018. What's your take on that? I think black people have just kind of been phased out in the country space. Mm-hmm. I think um, the label country has definitely been associated with more of a skin tone than actual music because most black people just get thrown in the R&B soul category or they try to force you to be like, well, why aren't you Americana? You know, like that happens all the time with me, mm-hmm. especially that this is just my personal experience. But... Dude, the banjo is a West African instrument. Like, stop it. I'm just saying. Like, I think one of the things that happens in America a lot is whitewashing. People will discover, people who are not of color will discover something from a different culture, rebrand it, repackage it, rename it, and sell it and offer their own. And that happens a lot. And black people, because, you know, within our culture, unfortunately, we aren't really taught how to protect ourselves in business. And it's always been that way since back in times of slavery. And if you look at like a lot of our modern modern inventions, heart surgery, peanut butter, hair products, we was invented by a black woman. All these things kind of have been stripped from us and our identities become stripped from us because 
you know, white people want ownership over our ideas. I don't know where that comes from, honestly. I, I, I can't speak to why that why we are such a target, maybe because we're so creative, but we make, you know, we know how to make something out of nothing. You know, I get really offended when people who aren't black, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love soul food. I'm like, do you realize that soul food came because we were given the scraps and the worst food and we turned it into something amazing and now you want to eat it? You know, so it's like, you have to know why things are the way they are, how they got to be that way, that you can have a respect for what those people went through to overcome whatever obstacles that they were presented with. And I think country music comes from gospel. It comes from the church. If you go to the Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville, which I've been, it's amazing. All the way in the back, you'll see where it says that he got his first inspiration for music from a Christian group. It was a white family, but they were singing blues-style gospel. And so I think the history gets whitewashed and people forget that where country music originated from, how many black cowboys there were actually in the West and in the South. And it's just time for us to stop pretending. And anybody who continues to try to hold anyone back at this point is just a sad, miserable person. I, I must, I'm sort of wondering about the difference between the artists and the industry, the artists and their audience. I mean, there have been efforts, you know, we can think of maybe it wasn't the most acclaimed effort, but you had Brad Paisley and LL Cool J doing uh, Accidental Racist. You had uh, Nelly and Tim McGraw doing Over yeah. and Over. There have been ways in which artists, anyway, have gotten together to say, this music isn't all that different. At the time of Over and Over, right. Nelly said, look, hip-hop and country, they come out of poverty-stricken communities. And if you go back to 1930, it's the same thing. Country music and the blues, those were the music of rural poor people, people who often wound up in jail, uh, whether they deserved it or not. Those are what those songs are about on both sides of mm-hmm. the racial line. So it seems like the artists maybe want to take this question on a little bit more. The question is, can they bring the audience with them? And the music is good. Right. Some people said that was the problem with Accidental Racist, that if it had been a better song. I think what's happening is that country music is trying to go pop. And the thing is that it's two different kinds of styles of writing. If you're telling stories in pop, the story has to end by the time you get to the chorus. And then it has to be a hit chorus. And then you can finish telling the story. But in country music, they tend to just tell the story all the way through. It's hard for them to translate if you haven't been well versed in writing a pop song it's hard to mix the two styles and so i think what's happening is you have this this mess of songs that almost sound pop and don't sound country enough and then also the people in the pop world are asking me to write them country songs they want to go country so it's this weird transition i'm hesitant to do it because I'm like, you guys have to respect the song. I'm not just about to like open up a can of worms and have all these pop stars running around Nashville and have all of Nashville hating me. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be respectful because the reason why I love Nashville so much is because they respect the song. So I think what I've been able to do, thank God, is straddle that line. I've been able to write songs that have pop influence, pop structure, but that still tell stories. And my voice and the way that I present the songs brings in the soulful element. It's just a nice combo that I'm very, very blessed to have. And I didn't plan it that way. That's just how it worked out. Last thing to talk about in that context, Priscilla Renee, on your new album, Colored, you have a song called A Land of the Free. Let's play a little bit of that right now. Little Jim. 
So Priscilla Renee, your life probably would be easier if you didn't do that song or didn't put it on the first album of yours that people have maybe heard in a long time or people just kind of getting to know you. Tell me why it was important to do that song. Well, one of the things that makes me different from a lot of other black country artists is that I'm really catering to people who look like me. Mm -hmm. And they are happy about that song. They all comment and say, wow, you described exactly how I feel. Thank you for this song. I'm not really concerned about the people who don't like it because it's a true story. And I even say that in the line, if you don't believe it's true, I guess I wrote this song for you. Because there's a lot of people who like to say that black people are imagining racism, that they're overreacting, that, you know, nobody wants to intimidate you. You're just breaking the law. Have you not been on Instagram? Have you not seen white people calling the police on black people for doing normal things, mowing the lawn, swimming in the pool? It's ridiculous. So this is, this is true. This is what black people have to go through. On top of all the things that we have to go through in life, paying bills, medical issues, dealing with children, marriage, we gotta deal with white people calling the police on us trying to get us shot. So, and my father's a police officer, so I'm not biased against police. I have several policemen in my family, but I've also been racially profiled by the police. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a difficult space to be in, to understand both sides, but to know that there is definitely a problem with white police officers enforcing or over-enforcing their power within black communities. They're supposed to be helping us, but according to the law, they are not here to protect and serve us. And also, I'm not sure about the rest of the world, but I know in the South, police began by policing the slaves to make sure they didn't run away or to check you to make sure you were free. So you have to know your history. This is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And because I know what I'm talking about, I'm not afraid to share my perspective. Anybody who wants me to stop sharing my perspective is probably somebody who wants to control me and control my mouth and not let me tell my story. So I don't really care about those people. I want to ask you where you think we're headed, particularly maybe in the, the genre that we've been talking about. So you went to the Grand Ole Opry and backstage there were on the wall. The only black people you saw were Chuck Berry and Darius Rucker. I gotta think. Mm-hmm. I gotta think. Charlie Pride is up there somewhere. Maybe they were having his thing oh, um, that day. Or maybe I missed that. Yeah. But the particular section of the wall that I was looking at when yeah. I first walked in there, it was just those two guys. I, I guess in ten, fifteen years, do you think that'll be different? And do you think a song like "Land of the Free" will be such an unusual thing in country, or will there be will there be other people producing that kind of music within country? I don't know. It's got to be people who are fearless. I'm fearless. <laughs> I know people like don't like it. They really don't. They, they look me in my eyes and tell me I'm not a country singer. But then I'm like, well, me and Jay Gowen graduated from the same high school, so I don't understand. All right. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna go out. Priscilla Renee, thanks for talking to us today. We're going to go out with your beautiful ballad, Heavenly, from the album Colored. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. All I really know is